0: Steve Settle is transferring from Howard, but how much would his departure dim the bright future of the Bison? Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives right there you see it at the bottom of the screen But if you don't that means you're on the audio side of things and i appreciate that as well so don't forget the s on the end we have a stacked show today and i have kind of an expression of thought just a little bit of a conundrum when it comes to hbcu spring games and I want to tell you my conclusion that I came on it, but we open up the show with a double header of Howard basketball because Steve settle has entered the transfer portal. And does it stop Howard from being a championship quality team? And what kind of player are they losing? We're going to answer both of those questions as we roll with locked on HBCU, but I'll start off by answering the first one. Steve settle transferring from Howard does not I repeat, does not stop Howard's bright future. We posed a question on last week's episode, one of last week's episodes. Does Howard have the ability, not will they because we're not going into the crystal ball and it's so far from next basketball season that we're not predicting what will happen, but we're just talking about reasonable possibilities. Does Howard have the ability to repeat as Miac men's basketball champions. I had a resounding yes, and I feel like I laid out a pretty decent argument on why they should be considered not only contenders, but the top dog. And that's not always the case for all returning champions. So let's not make it seem like that's just a no-brainer. Howard had everything going for him. But now that Steve has entered the transfer portal, and they're going to take a big hit, does the answer stay the same? Is Howard still a championship quality or championship caliber team in the Miac? Yeah, doesn't change. Matter of fact, my confidence doesn't even waver when saying that they are. See, this is a big hit. Steve Settle is a wonderful player and no doubt was he part of a a, a big part of this championship team. I won't take that away from him. But all of the reasons, all of the explanations that I gave last week, they still stand. I'm not going to say nothing has changed, but not much has changed. I still have a lot of legs to stand on. If we're looking at this situation, let's look at the biggest thing I said in that topic. I said that not only do I think that Howard has the ability to repeat, I think that Howard has the ability to three-peat. Now, when they were going to threepeat, when I was talking about the Bison threepeating, Steve Settle wasn't going to be there anyway. That third year, Steve Settle was going to leave after this upcoming year, no matter what. Transfer, no transfer, he was done. He only has one more year of eligibility left. So in that third year, in that third year I was talking about, it was all about Elijah Hawkins and Shy Odoms. They're still there. They're going to be there next year. And Lord willing, they'll be there the year after that. So if I have the confidence in them to be able to lead a conference championship team in 2025, wow, 2025. But in 2025, if I have the confidence to believe in them and I can project that forward, I want you to know that confidence is still there in 2024. I still believe in this duo. It isn't only a future-based argument. I think they're quality players right now. Another thing that I said is that they are returning, they being the Howard Bison, are returning almost all of their key contributors. That number has dropped from 7 out of 8 to 6 out of 8 because Settle isn't coming back. Look, not going to downplay what he is, 100%. I'm not going to. But 6 out of 8 players is still pretty big. You're still returning two star players in Hawkins and Odoms. You're still returning players who didn't have as many minutes but still hit that 10-plus threshold. You're still returning those players like Bryce, uh, Bryce Harris. You're still returning guys who can manifest and can grow into a bigger role. You're still returning key contributors who might not be starters. There are so many things that go into building a good basketball team and returning six out of eight of your key contributors is going to be key. I hate saying that returning six out of eight of your key contributors is going to be important to building a repeat champion. There we go. So, the last thing I want to say is howard knows how to recruit. If there was any team who you felt could replace Steve Settle immediately with a with a I want to say a freshman, but not exactly in their role, but just in general, replacing Steve Settle and having another quality player, it's Howard. Steve Settle when he came in as a freshman, a redshirt freshman, Howard only played 5 games. They played 5 games that year. And he was Rookie of the Week multiple times. Now, he couldn't be Rookie of the Year. They only played five games. Now, the next year comes in. Elijah Hawkins, Rookie of the Year. Next year after that, which is this past season, Shai Odoms, Rookie of the Year. Now, I don't know if they come in and just continue this streak of Rookie of the Year, but I think three years in a row of recruiting a high-level player, a player who has become a building block of your team almost immediately, I think that should give Bison fans the confidence to say, you know what, Steve Settle is going to be missed, but I do believe we can recruit somebody who was maybe not three years in Steve Settle, but somebody who can come in and can contribute to a certain extent, even if it's just a three-point specialist, somebody who can replace his 30% from behind behind the arc. I think that you should have confidence they're able to do that. Now, I talked about how they can replace Steve Settle and how they still have championship aspirations. Because to me, even with Steve transferring, Howard should settle for no less than another championship next year. But that's not to downplay exactly what Steve Settle was, let's discuss the player that they're losing in the six ten big man as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, and Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market, bar none. Listen, these are the things that I eat before I go to work, before I work out, when I just want a snack and I'm a little bit hungry, but I don't want something too heavy. Built Bar is great for a multitude of things. And if we're talking about multiplicity, let's also talk about the multiple flavors that they provide. Cookies and cream, raspberry, blueberry, s'mores, chocolate chip cookie dough. They have everything. I love Built Bar. I love Built Bar. I'm so happy that they're still with the network because I'll eat me a Built Bar a day if they they let me. I promise you I would. And if you want to have the option to eat a Built Bar a day, go to Walmart, go to Sam's. You can get you a 13-pack. You can get you a 4-pack. Or... You can just go ahead and wait, and you can go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your offer. Once you do that, you're going to taste everything you could possibly want. You couldn't help but go to Built March Madness and vote for your favorite Built Bar in their bracket. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. I've already talked about how Howard can come back from the loss of Steve Settle. We detailed that. I still think that they are a championship team. I still think that their their ceiling or their expectations should be to be the Miac tournament champions. I still believe that, even with the loss. However, I don't want it to be lost in the shuffle steve settle is going to be a big loss for howard this was never going to be an easy task and it just got more difficult i said something at the beginning about how he was a big time player about how he was a key contributor in the team and i don't want it to get lost in the shuffle i want that to be important because i don't want to make it seem like i'm just like yeah steve settle's gone but we ain't really worried about that that ain't really gonna be no big deal (laughs) That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. This is a big deal. I just think Howard has the talent to get over this big deal. But what are they losing? What is Howard losing when it comes to Steve Settle transferring? Now, you're losing, first and foremost, one of your three best players. You had a big three. Now you have a big two. And we'll see if somebody else can come along and make it a big three again. But you're going from a big three to a top duo, a big two. You're also going to lose one of your, what I would assume, one of your leaders on the team. Now, age does not immediately equate to leadership. I understand that 100%. But here's the thing. Steve Settle was also one of the three best players. He was also one of the statistical leaders in two categories. He was just a guy who was a top dog as a player. He has the performance that would make you think he could be a leader. And then also on a team that was returning seven of eight, now six of eight, but with Settle, it would have been seven. He was going to be an elder statesman. He's going into his last year of eligibility, which is confusing to me because he only played five games that first year. Maybe it's because he was already a redshirt freshman. They didn't redshirt him again, but I felt like that should have been enough to not have that year count against his eligibility. But nonetheless, he's entering as a grad transfer. He only has one year of eligibility left. He was going to be the old man on the team, an old man. I should put air quotes, an old man. In addition to being one of the best players to me, that perfectly sets him up for being a leader on the team, whether that's a rah-rah leader or just a lead from, from, um, what's it called? Lead by example leader. That's what I think he could have been. So you're losing one of your best players, one of your players that led you in multiple categories, and then you're also losing a leader. Those are things that are obvious. Like you obviously think, oh, one of your best players is gone. That's a big loss. You obviously think one of your statistical leaders is gone. That's a big loss. But then you have the intangibles. The intangibles are things that I personally feel like are a little bit more overlooked. But that's still a big deal. Imagine losing one of the biggest leaders on your team. We always think talent will cover up for that. But what about when leadership meets talent and now both of them are gone? So this is a a big time loss. One thing that, Settle said after the Kansas loss when talking about his game was I've had to learn to impact the game in other ways other than scoring. I think that's been the most valuable thing for me. I just thought of myself as a scorer, but Coach KB and my whole team challenged me to become something more than that. I feel like that mindset is reflected in his game. Like, I feel like it's quite obvious that that's what he sees himself as. As more than just a scorer. Especially when you see the development of his career. It's kind of funny because he has, I'm trying to think of a way to say this without sounding disrespectful. And in my quick assessment of my my uh, statements that I was going to say, all of them are going to sound disrespectful. So I'm going to talk a little bit and try to, to go through it. But I'm going to talk about how he changed his game first. So you look at his block numbers. Jump by eight. You look at his rebounds, jump by 30. Like, this is a player who was a scorer, but he's 6'10". He's 6'10", super long arms. Long arms are ridiculous. And you're talking about somebody, or you're taking this from somebody who loves arm length. Like, I'm prideful in my arm length. My favorite fighter is John Jones. His arm length is stupid ridiculous. And now you're looking at Settle, who is another guy with extremely long arms. So that's automatically going to be something that I catch. Is automatically going to be something that I'm watching for. And he was able to use his length to be good in the interior when talking about blocking shots and when talking about rebounding. Matter of fact, when you look at it, everything else went up. His scoring is the one thing that dropped across the board. It didn't become poor. It just wasn't the thing that he did exceptionally. It wasn't his first year when he played five games and he was the leading scorer of the team. He's taking a step back as far as that goes. Elijah Hawkins took over for that, right? Elijah Hawkins became the leading scorer. And I think when mentioning Elijah Hawkins, that's a perfect comparison to talk about what Howard needs. When you compare Steve Settle, the third, to Elijah Hawkins, you have Hawkins, who is the leader in points, leader in assists, leader in steals. But then you have Settle, who is the leader in rebounds and leader in blocks. It's like a perfect mesh. When you look at what they both did really well, they picked up for each other's slack, right? I don't want to say slack because one's a guard, one's a big. Like they they did different stuff, but it perfectly meshed because you had nobody stepping on each other's toes. And that's what you're going to need. If you're going to replace Steve Settle, you need Bryce Harris, who's going to get more minutes. And I thought looked really good at the end of the year. I, I love his energy. I think he's a great energy player. And Bryce Harris in his limited minutes was already second on the team in blocks. So him becoming the leader in blocks, especially with more minutes, expecting his numbers in that category to grow, not hard to believe. It's kind of the expectation. Now, speaking of expectations, when it comes to rebounding, it's going to be a group effort, but I'm specifically looking at Harris and Shy Odoms. Excuse me. With Shy Odoms, I've said it before. I think he's ready to take that next step. But I said that before Settle Transferred. Now that Steve Settle is transferred, to me, the next step for Shia Odoms is replacing Steve Settle, not stylistically, because Settle was shooting 30% from three. Odoms isn't even going to take 33s. So I don't want him to try to step back and be more of a perimeter player at times. I don't want that. I want him to play his game. When I say his next step is replacing Settle, it means you have to be the number two. If Hawkins is going to lead the team in points, assists, steals, you have to come in and be the second leading scorer, which I fully expect him to do. And I thought he could have done it even with Settle there. But in addition to being the second leading scorer, you got to lead the team in either rebounds or blocks, if not both. You have to come in and be more than just than just a scorer. It's like Settle said, I've had to learn to impact the game in other ways other than scoring. That has to be your mindset. That has to be what you do well. And you have to come in and do that too. That's what you have to do in your sophomore season if I'm looking at Shy Odoms. And I believe that he can. So with that, Steve Settle is undoubtedly a big-time loss. Undoubtedly. But at the same time, I think they still have a bright future. I still think they can overcome it, mostly because of their young core that they're still returning. Six out of eight is not better than seven out of eight, but it's still pretty stinking good. That's still a pretty young team. And that's still a team that you can come back with and expect them to be a championship caliber squad. And going forward, we're going to go from being very specific to being very broad in general. We're going to go from speaking on just Howard to speaking on all HBCUs because there's a little bit of a conundrum when it comes to the scheduling of HBCU spring games. And is it a problem or not? That's the real question that we need to answer as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before I do that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I love FanDuel because they believe, just like I believe, in second chances. And what I mean by that is, let's say you're a new customer to FanDuel and you lose your first bet you hurt. You're looking for them hundreds of dollars to come back into your pocket, but they didn't because this person scored 22 points when they should have scored 24 and a half. They, that's what you were looking for. Well, no problem. FanDuel has your first bet, no sweat. And what that means is even if you lose your first bet as a new customer, you're still going to get $1,000 back, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. So it's like you didn't even lose. No need to worry about it. No need to sweat it. FanDuel is in your corner, and they're going to give you another chance because March Madness is coming to a close. You have the Final Four. Don't forget about the women's side. You have some great games over there, too. Aaliyah Boston, Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, they're all still in it. So, tell me what you think. Who's going to win point spread, point totals, over-unders? Everything you can think of is on FanDuel. Think about it, bet on it, make some money, and if you lose, get your bonus bets back. Just go to FanDuel.com lockedon locked on. And that's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen and making it all the way to segment three. Thank you two times for that. I do appreciate it. Now, there's a little bit, and it's a significant one, but it's a little bit of a conundrum when it comes to HBCU spring games. And I've gone back and forth on whether or not this is a problem. But there are just so many games stacked on one day. Is it an issue? And, I, and I've thought about it. This week, you have Southern, you have North Carolina a t you have Alcorn, you have Albany State, you have Bowie State. You have over 10 games alone on April 15th. Is it a problem? And upon reflection, I, I had to think to myself, nah, not really. You know, there's certain things that I've encountered as a fan. And then there's certain things that I've encountered as a media personality. And I've taken them completely different. As a fan, I'm reflecting, thinking back when I was young, 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 watching SEC spring games on ESPN, right? They were often on the same day. I didn't think anything of it then. And it's not because I was young. Well, it probably was because I was young. But then at the same time, even today, I don't think anything of it. I looked up the Big Ten schedule. They have beaucoup spring games on the same day. You look at SEC, they have seven spring games on April 15th. So when I thought about it, you know, I'm, I'm looking and it's not like I'm just trying to emulate what all the bigger conferences do. But I'm looking at the HBCU landscape. We're not talking about a conference. We're not talking about just D1. We're talking about D1, D2, uh, OVC, CAA, SWAC, MIAC, CIAA. You're looking at the SEAC the like all of these conferences. There's no way they can all get together and be like, OK, we're not going to step on each other's toes. And it's only four weeks to get it done. And most of them are going to have them on Saturdays. You might have a couple who will be like, you know, we're going to move it to a Thursday. or we're gonna. But for the most part, this is a Saturday event in the month of April. There's only so much flexibility. There's so much, only so much maneuverability that you can do to not have so many. Now, I was disappointed that the MIAC had so many on one day. Like four of your six spring games being on one day was something that I wasn't a fan of. But not because four of them, only because they had six teams. I just wanted them to spread it out a little bit more. So to the conundrum, is it a problem? No, it's inconvenient. It can be stressful. The conundrum isn't why are they scheduling their games on the same day. It isn't is that a problem? The answer to that is no. The problem comes in for you because this is my moral high horse. It always will be, and I think it will continue to be that. There's not enough local coverages. local coverage for HBCUs there's not enough local markets who really try to cover HBCU athletics so I would say the heart of HBCU coverage is a national thing that shouldn't be the case I don't think that the heart of professional sports is national yes if you're for example I live in Arlington right so local news will give me all about the Dallas Cowboys I'm not a Cowboy fan like you you see it I'm not a Cowboys fan but the thing is the heart of the Cowboys coverage is in Dallas. It's not nationally. That's not the case for HBCUs. The heart of all-corn coverage is is national coverage. I can't be everywhere. Draft HBCU can't be everywhere. HBCU sports, HBCU game day, they can't be everywhere. There's only a limited limited amount of people they have on the staff. There's a limited amount of people they can have in these locations. So when you have 10 games in one day, everybody can't get covered. So now you're basing on resources and reaching out to people and all of those things. I'd rather that not be the case. I'd rather local media cover Alcorn on a consistent basis. I'd rather have local coverage of Southern on a consistent basis. I'd rather have local coverage of TSU and PV in North Carolina ANT or North Carolina Central and South Carolina State. I'd rather have them on a consistent basis because then it takes a little bit of responsibility away. And you are the one who is hampered. I've said this before. I say it again. I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but that horse ain't dead yet. You're the one who suffers when we're talking about lack of local coverage. Because if I can't talk about, we'll just use Allcorn because they're this week. If I can't talk about Allcorn right away. Now you're sitting here itching for Alcorn News. If I can't talk about North Carolina A&T right away, if I can't talk about one of the 10 games that's going to be on April 15th right away, who's going to be the one who suffers? So let's just be real about it. April 15th rolls around. I'm covering Jackson State. They have a big time spring practice. I'm very interested to see what it looks like. I'm covering Texas Southern. It's my alma mater. If I'm going to flash at the right here, like You know what that is. I'm covering those two teams. If you ain't one of those two, you might not make it on day one after that game. You might not make it on day two. It's 10 teams. It's 10 teams playing that day. And if there's no local coverage, and if I'm not there, I'm not present. I don't have the, the capability to know what was going on or see it. There's a limit on how much I can say. And I suffer from the aspect of delivering the news to you, but then you also suffer in the aspect of actually being able to receive the news too. So it's both of us who are suffering because of this. And it's not my problem to solve. I can't do that. I can't make local media cover this. But that's the conundrum. Now when we thought opening up that the conundrum is, is it a problem that HBCUs have so many spring games scheduled on the same day? The answer to that is no. The real conundrum is, is it a problem, the coverage that HBCUs get from local media? And to that the answer was yes. So I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day, every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked On College Basketball. This weekend, we're almost to the end of March Madness, so make sure you're checking that out as well. In the meantime, in between time, on tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about the spring games and, and why quarterback battles are my favorite part of spring football. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.